Well, praise the Lord. Amen. What a wonderful song. Lord, disturb us. They told me years ago there are two things you'd not ever preach on. One is politics and one is money. I'm going to preach on money today and politics next Sunday. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I told this Wednesday night, but I see a couple of y'all in here that wasn't here Wednesday night. Uh, so <laughs> there was a guy drove up to unload his car. He moved in a house and he parked his Mercedes out there on the street and began unloading it. And he kept noticing this lady across the street was staring at him through the window. And finally that afternoon when everything was unloaded, he walked over to her house and said, Mama, I've noticed you've been watching me. Is there anything I can do for you? Is it, you know, what's the deal? And she said, well, you just look a lot like my fourth husband. And he said, really? He said, how many times have you been married? She said, three. <laughs> you need to know where people are coming from, amen? <laughs> We're in Matthew chapter 25, and we finished verse 13. Uh, uh, Wednesday night, so we're starting in verse 14. If you're here and you're saying, well, all that preacher ever does is preach on money, I'm preaching through the book of Matthew, and y'all are my witnesses. We're in chapter 25, verse 14 today, talking about taking a risk. Are you a risk taker? Uh, Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible says, Matthew 25, 14, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. When he had received the five talents, then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same, made them other five. Likewise, he that had two received two, he gained two other. But he who received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with him, them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I've gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And he also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there has that that is thine. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which had ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, 
and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he had. And cast ye the unprofitable servant in outer darkness. Therefore shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Father, thank you today. We're so blessed. We've been blessed by this music and testimony and everything up to this point. Would you let this scripture come alive to us today, Father? Uh, let people not see me, but let them hear you and see you high and lifted up. We're expecting you to do great things in this crowd today. We love you, and we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Tithing is a risky business, but it begins with the heart. When someone tells me, preacher, I got a problem with tithing, I immediately say, you don't have a problem with money. You got a problem with your heart. When you get your heart right with God, you won't mind giving God back what he required. 10% is what God requires. You say, well, that's Old Testament. It's New Testament too. It's also New Testament. In fact, when people tell me, well, that's under the old law, I always tell folks, surely you'll never find an instance in the word of God where grace don't supersede the law. If the law taught 10%, grace, you ought to give 20, maybe 25, 30. But you never give less than the law. The parable of the 10 talents provides a framework. One commentary writer described these three different people as the three groups in the modern world. One is a five talent uh, man. He would be prosperous. The two talent man would be middle class, and the one talent man would be poor. Whatever your economic level is, you're here this morning, I want to challenge you. The Lord wants you to take a risk with what you do have. It doesn't matter if you're in group one, group two, or group three. That is irrelevant. Churches, John Bassanio wrote this years ago, usually follow in one of three ways. Number one, they start out, they become risk takers. Number two, they slip on up after a few years of taking risk, usually seven to ten years. They get into a maintenance mode. They just maintain. And then after that, about ten years, they get into an undertaker mode. They just do what it takes to keep the thing going, last one out, turn out the lights. And that's kind of where most churches are headed. Years ago, when this church began, it began under a tent over on Cotton Street, under a shade tree. There was a risk taker. The last 15 years, we've been risk takers. Somebody asked me this morning, uh, not this morning, this week, uh, how long is this building for eternity going to last? And I said, well, I've been here 15 years, and we've had a major campaign 12 of those 15 years. Uh, so when it's paid off, don't expect to, to get free. We got something else we got to do too. Uh, <laughs> risk takers take chances. Uh, sustainers and maintenance, we just kind of keep, and it's easy to do that, folks. I mean, you're sitting in a beautiful building. You've got a great staff. This is a great church. I know I pastor the greatest church this side of the Mississippi. I know that probably the other side too. I realize that. But I want to tell you, if we're not careful, we get in a mode where we take care of our own and we take care of ourselves. 
And I'll be just honest with you. If you're here and you're saved this morning, I'm not near as concerned about you as I am those people who are not saved. They're the ones that if the Lord comes back this afternoon, they're not going up. They're going to stay here. Are you a risk taker? The idea of taking a risk excites people, puts fear, pumps the adrenaline. More than 150,000 people a year take the risk and shoot the rapids on the Colorado River. More than 70,000 have taken up the hobby of hand gliding. Whoo, can you imagine that? Just jump off something, there ain't no motor. You just gliding with your hands. Man, that must make the adrenaline. We got sports, skydiving, auto racing, scuba diving, snow skiing. They've got a new one out now called Swimming with the Sharks. Yep, you can swim with the sharks. What? Man, that, that's got to pump the adrenaline. Supposedly, 4,000 people a day are entering the stock market. Now, I don't think that would hold true last week. I think probably 4,000 a day left the stock market. But to generally, uh, 4,000 people a, a day enter the stock market. Uh, thousands of people every day risk their lives getting on loop 281. Uh, I remember 15 years ago, barely a car came by. And now if you're trying to get out, you can't even get out of this place. 800 new people move into Austin, Texas every week. 1,200 new people move into Houston every week. 2,700 people move into the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex every week. If you multiply that, that means 140,000, almost double the size of Longview, moves to DFW every week. They're risk-takers. Now, many of them come from California. If you're here from California, Pete, where you at, brother? Uh, we love you. There you are, amen. God, amen. We love Californians. Just don't ever get the notion that you want to make Texas like California. That's the reason you left the place to start with. Amen? I, I, I won't go any further than that. But I'm just saying those people take risks to relocate, move everything, lock, stock, and barrel. Get out. Most of us, though, are security seekers. Most of us want to be sure of what we're doing. The older we get, it's a security. We play it safe. We hedge our bets and we cover our tracks and we touch all the bases. Uh, it may surprise you to discover that in this parable of the ten talents, Jesus encouraged his people to take a risk, to be a risk taker. Now, we know that God has entrusted us with a variety of talents. We know that if you don't use it, you lose it. These singers up here, let me tell you, if you don't sing, you got the gift of singing, you lose it. It becomes like that. You, you got to use it or you lose it. We know that one day we're going to give an account for everything we've been blessed with, not just the tithe. You're going to give and I'm going to give an account for everything we've been blessed with. See, we're stewards of this. We don't own any of this. We're stewards. And we're going to have to give an account to God what we've done with what he blessed us with. So, learning to take proper risk with our money may be one of the hardest and but yet most 
needed lessons we can entail. Let's look at the three different people. First of all, there's the risk for the five-talent person. This five-talent person, he doubled his trust. He put his money to work. It gained five more. Some of you in this place today are five-talent people. You really are. And everything about you, and I'm not, this is not derogatory. This is true. Everything about you is more. There's more money. There's more responsibility. There's more expectations. There's more pressure. There's more opportunity. There's more scrutiny. There's more temptations. The scripture warns about the danger of death. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. But here's a parable that ought to be an encouragement to those who are wealthy this morning. This is a place where the wealthy man's not the villain. He's the hero. He's in the 1%. I thank God for the 1%. I know, you know, it's easy because the media wants us to get mad at the people who are the one percenters. But bless God, if they didn't do the 1% and we wouldn't have a job here, down here further down the chain either. I mean, if everybody who was wealthy said, well, we're just going to keep our own. We're not going to invest in nothing. Well, wow. Hmm. God entrusted us, though, with wealth not to indulge it or to hoard it up. He entrusted it for us to put it into circulation. It ought to be circulating. There's a slogan in the investment world, weigh the risk versus the reward. So I, I don't think that this five-talent man took a wild investment. I don't think he went to the casino and said, put all five talents on red or whatever they put them on. I don't know. 13, I don't know. What is it, seven? That, uh, what is it, Jace? What are you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he invested wildly like that, but I think he weighed the risk versus the outcome. And he said, this is what I'm going to risk. I do find it interesting that when the master returned, he didn't say to the man who had 10 talents, well, you've got 10 talents, and, uh, but there's another guy over here struggling. Would you share your talents with him? He didn't say that. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over these things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. I know a wealthy man. That his son went to college. Uh, he's a five-talent man. And uh, rather than him live in the dorm, he bought a house. He divvied up the house for apartments. His son lived there. He rented out three other rooms for apartments and uh, paid for his son going to college. And when his son graduated college, he sold the house for twice what he paid for it. That's a five-talent man. That's a good risk, you know. I can think about that. I'm not a five-talent man. You've got to have money to be a five-talent man. And he, he was able to do that. Was he wrong? I don't think he was wrong. I think he was smart. Proverbs 14, 23 says, hard work brings profit. The wealth of the wise is their crown. Listen, we, we've got a bad nomer going around that if people who are wealthy, they get to work about 10, they take a two-hour lunch break and go home by two. And that's not true. The people I know who are wealthy, they're at work before the sun comes up. And they usually stay until the last person has gone. They work hard to get where they are. Now, if you're a five-talent person, the Lord's challenge to you is to risk long-term, risk in eternity, and give a chunk of it to building for eternity. I got that straight from God. <laughs> Amen? 
Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures in heaven where it can be destroyed because he said, where your treasure is, there your heart would be also. So it's not at all that risky for a five-talent person to put money in ordinary investments. That's normal. We can monitor the, the uh, progress of it. But a five-talent person can be a tremendous blessing to the kingdom of God. And if we're going to pay this building off by July the 1st, we need some five-talent people to come out of this congregation and say, look, here's 100000 here's 200000 here's 500000 to pay this building off. You say, oh, are you kidding? No, God's not kidding. He's serious as a heart attack. There's some of you that can do that right here. You're a five-talent person. Now, there's one little scripture in there I wish wasn't in there. It goes for churches as well as individuals. To whom much is given, much is required. I remember when, uh, I don't remember when, I remember reading the story of J.C. Penney during the Great Depression, was standing there looking. J.C. Penney had a motto when he got saved. He lived on 10% and gave God 90%. Did it the whole time he was alive. Gave away millions of dollars. And they were looking at a college that he had financed and given to. And one of the guys there with him said, Mr. Penney, don't you wish you had some of that money back now? During the recession, your money was broke. It wasn't any good. And he looked at that building and he said, oh, no, I don't want a dime back. He said, everything I kept, I lost. Only what I gave away is still functioning today. And when you invest into the kingdom of God, folks, it don't stop when you stop. That's why judgment day is not going to come until after all of this whole mess is over with. Because if you invest in building for eternity and the souls are being saved there, you're going to continue to get credit and reward for it even after you're dead and gone. Now, let me just tell you, if you own a liquor store, you're going to get the curses for it after you're dead and gone too because it keeps on going. That's what the, the, the kingdom of God does. Acts 4.26, we know Barnabas came in and he sold some property and he said, I'm giving everything to God. Laid it at the apostles' feet. Gave it all to God. You say, praise the Lord, that's great. Well, Ananias and Sapphira saw how many people were patting them on the back and, ooh, what an encouragement it was. So they say, hey, we're going to sell some property and we're giving it all to God too. Okay, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Except in that next chapter, chapter five, they're dragging Ananias out because he lied to God. He didn't give all of it. Now, let me tell you, God never asked him to give all of it. He said he would give all of it, but then he lied. And then they brought his wife in, gave her an opportunity. She said the same thing. They've taken her out to bury her too. All I'm saying is don't promise God something you're not going to do. Stay with it. Stay with it. A few years ago, the largest individual bequest ever made to a college was given to Asbury Seminary. They gave $40 million because they said this college is training up men of God in the faith. They believe in the word of God. They're training men of God, and that's what we need today. They gave $40 million. Mm. So that's the five-talent man, all right? Now, there's another group here called the two-talent man, two-talent person, the risk for them. You know, I, I tell the Lord all the time, Lord, I, I'm telling you the truth. 
Lord, if you'd give me $10 million, I'd give $9 million of it away. I tell him that all the time. There's only one problem here. <laughs> he gave each according to their ability. So you can sit here and tell God what you'd do if you had $10 million. But God's interested in what you're doing with what you have right now. If you're not faithful with what you have right now, you're probably not going to be faithful if God gives you $10 million. I mean, after all, you've got to pay taxes. If you gave away $9 million, my goodness, you wouldn't have $100,000 to live on. Hmm. Well, I can identify more readily with the two-talent man, the middle-income man, but he gained two more. And I'm talking to a lot of people in this place that are two-talent people. You're not wealthy today. I know that. But in one reality, you are wealthy. When you figure that 92% of the world don't even have running water, you become pretty wealthy. Mm. And we're not talking about even a hot water heater. But, you know, they ain't got hot water either. Mm. You might not be wealthy by the standards of this culture, but you've been blessed. You're able to pay your bills. There are two strong temptations that you face and I face. The first one is, if you're not careful, you can resent the five-talent man. Now, the Bible says we're to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Now, let me just tell you, somebody got a million and a half you want to pay for this building? I'm not going to resent you at all. And I better not hear nobody in this church resenting you. We're all going to be rejoicing. Amen? It, it, it could happen. See, instead of being grateful for the God's gifts to you, you can compare what somebody else has got, and you're saying, well, I don't live in a half-million-dollar house. I don't drive a $50,000 car. And so you can be intimidated. And then a lot of times when we get intimidated, we end up not giving anything because we say, well, if I can't give as much as them, there's no reason for me to give at all. I never will forget the night I was cooking over the stove and I heard uh, Diane Sawyer uh, inter uh, interviewing Dr. Billy Graham. And she said, is there anything, Dr. Graham, you'd, you'd like to know or hear or do that you've not done yet? And he said, there's one thing. I would like to hear my master say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But he said, I don't believe I'll hear that. And I quit. I turned the fire off. I thought, well, there ain't no need of us going on no more. If he ain't going to hear it, then we ain't got a shot. <laughs> but the deal is God holds us accountable for what he gives us. And he's given Dr. Billy Graham, one of the great organizations, tremendous, honest, sincere organizations in the entire world. A greedy man, Proverbs 28, 25 says, stirs up dissension. But he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. Jealousy and resentment are a part of greed. And then the other temptation is you not only have a temptation to be jealous of those who are five talent, but you have a tendency to condescend those who only have one talent. Hmm? See, if you're not careful, you begin to say, well, you know, I got more than them. I'm doing better than them. I find it interesting in this parable that the same commendation that was given to the ten-talent man is the same commendation that was given to the two-talent man. 
When he came back and said, I've got two more for you, he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Hmm. Now you say, preacher, why is that unusual? Because he didn't say, you're my favorite over here. You're the five-talent man. You're my favorite. He didn't say that. He said, you're faithful with the two-talent just like you were with the five-talent. You see, God measures us by our opportunity and ability. And uh, I think, honestly, if the one-talent man would have doubled his talent, he'd got the same commendation that the five-talent man got and the two-talent man got. So if you're a two-talent person, you've got to make the responsibility to do the best of what God's given you with. If you made $35,000 over a 40-year period of your life, you would have earned $1.4 million. What have you done with it? What have we done with it? Hmm. We're not to be hoarding it up. We're not to just be indulging ourselves. We need to be a wise manager. And the first risk that God asks you to take with your money is not a large lump sum transaction. It's a weekly earning of your tithes. And you say, well, I can't afford to tithe. Look, that's why it's 10%. If you made $100 this week, your tithe is $10. If you made $1,000 this week, your tithe is $100. If you made $100,000 this week, your tithe is a lot of money. <laughs> Malachi 3 says it was written to people just like us of modest means. It, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? You ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. The Jewish nation did not give God one-tenth, and they owed God one-tenth. It wasn't a blessing offering to give God one-tenth. It was a requirement to give God one-tenth. The blessing and the offering come above the one-tenth. If every member of this church gave a tithe, we wouldn't even be borrowing money for a building. We'd have more money than we knew what to do with. The scripture says, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And he said, prove me, test me, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you will not have room for it. God promises that when you give a tithe to him, he opens up the floodgates of heaven and pours out a blessing. It's the only time God promises something like that in the entire Bible. When you do what he says do, he promises that he'll give a blessing. Prove him. Test him. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember this, whosoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whosoever sows generously will reap generously. Recent Gallup poll showed that 25% of evangelical Christians tithe, while 45% said living by faith was the most important thing you could do. <laughs> it's easy to talk about walking by faith, but we need to do it and not just talk about it. Uh, survey, same survey, those who make between 50000 and 75000 a year give an average of 1.5% to charity. That's counting their church, that's counting the Salvation Army, that's counting everything, 1.5%.
I know it's risky to tithe. I know some of you are sitting in this place saying, I can't afford to tithe. I don't have time this morning. But I could say, would you stand up if you believe you can't afford not to tithe? And there'd be people all over this congregation. There are older people who would tell you younger people, you better get that settled right up front. Get it settled. You say, well, you know, I'm just not sure about the investment. Let me just share this with you. If you're not sure about the investment in this church, I honestly would go find me a church I was sure of. There are 138 Baptist churches in the Longview area. Surely one of them, you could say, I like this church. This is my kind of church. Surely there's one of them somewhere. Well, a hand, I'm trying to get out of here without getting in trouble. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm thankful to you for your giving through Building for Eternity. Uh, it could not have been done. You've been faithful and God is blessed. And before that was Building for Kingdom Growth. And before that was United We Stand. And before that was something else too. And I'm, I'm telling you, if you want to be a part of Woodland Hills, we're planning on being on the offensive, not the defensive. That's our goal in life. It has been. We're preparing people for the coming of the Lord. It's going to be our offensive goal to reach out, to do more than we've ever done before. There's one other person. Let me get to quickly. And that's the no risk for the one talent person. That one talent person took no risk, none whatsoever. He went out and buried it in the ground. Now, he did one thing right. He did one thing right. He acknowledged that it was the master's money. Woo, we need to do that this morning. You do know everything you've got belongs to the master. You're just a steward of it. Even this one talent guy realized that. But he made some serious mistakes. Number one, he was fearful. He said, I was afraid. Over and over again in the word of God, he said, be not afraid, be not afraid, be not afraid. Number two, he was lazy. He said, you wicked, lazy servant. You didn't want to work. Now, let me tell you, if you don't want to work, God's plan of finances is not going to help you. I really think we probably need to get back to that thing where if you don't work, you don't eat. Uh, I'll leave that alone and go from there. Number three, he was unimaginative. I mean, the least he could have done was put it in a bank. He went out and dug a hole in the backyard. And then fourth, he was self-pitying. I knew you were a hard man. It's really not my fault that I can't give. I'm the victim here. Boy, how many victims do we have? And everybody's a victim. We really all are. Uh, you know, I, I can't wait till we get to the reparations where those of us who were drugged in church, we were drugged on Sunday morning, drugged on Sunday night, drugged on Wednesday night. You know, who's going to pay the reparation for me? I'm ruined because of what my mom and daddy did. So the one talent man was condemned for poor stewardship. He says, take that talent away from him and give it to the one who has 10. Mm. Most of the gospel in this book is pointed toward compassionate for the poor. But here is a case where the poor is the goat. It's not compassion for the poor. You say, this don't apply. Oh, it applies to every one of us. You see... Uh, 
maybe you're elderly, maybe you're on a fixed income, maybe you're just starting out, maybe you're unemployed. Uh, it, it, it could, in Leviticus, you were to bring a lamb to the sacrificial offering. But he says in Leviticus 5, 7, if he cannot afford a lamb, he is to bring two doves or two young pigeons to the Lord as a penalty for his sin. You know what that tells me? Now, I, I, I believe in tithing, and I think every one of us ought to tithe. But if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, there ain't no way I'm going to tithe, I can't tithe, I can't do it, I can't do it, then I would tell you based on Leviticus, start where you can. If it's 2%, start at 2% and move up. If you, I think if you're faithful with your 2%, God will bless that too. I think he'll bless you if you go whole hog and tithe, period. But if you can't, if you say you can't. See, when, when they say, we don't have any money, God didn't say, well, just come on like you are. Mm -mm. God said, well, if you don't have any money for the lamb, then you bring two pigeons or you bring two uh, doves. 1 Corinthians 16, 2 says, on the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. Jesus stood as he watched them give in the temple. He watched in, in a couple of ways. They were dropping in the plate. He watches with the eye of forgiveness, but he also watches with the eye of expectation. He's expecting us to give that. And on that one occasion, here comes a little lady, and she's got two mites to her whole name, and she drops both of them in the plate. You remember what Jesus said? Hey, let me tell you something. This lady here gave more than everybody else. There were some five-talent people putting in that plate. There were some two-talent people putting in that plate. But this little lady gave more than everybody else because she didn't give out of her abundance. She gave sacrificially. And I'm just telling you this. Every member of Woodland Hills needs to be a part of this new building. You say, I can't do it, well, then you do what you can do. But if you're faithful, God will bless you. When you give, here's what you do. You remind yourself, because see, we're not very, we're forgetful. When you give, you remind yourself that God's in charge and he owns everything. He's in charge and he owns everything. Uh, a sobbing little girl stood near a small church. She had been turned away from it because it was too crowded. And uh, the pastor came by and she was sobbing and Pastor Conwell was his name. And she was sobbing and he said, Honey, what, what's wrong? She said, I wanted to go to Sunday school but there's no place for me. And he, he took her by the hand like any good pastor would do and he walks her into the room and said, You will find a place for her. And she goes to Sunday school. Two years later, she has a cancer and she dies. They call that same pastor, Temple Baptist Church, Philadelphia, Louisiana. <laughs> There's a Philadelphia, Louisiana too, but this was Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She called that same pastor and he comes over, the family, they're, they're talking about the little girl and how she loves Sunday school and church. And they dig around in her stuff and there's a little envelope there and it's got 57 cents in it. 
She'd been collecting money for two years. And she said, this is to go to build a bigger building so nobody will be turned away from Sunday school. Well, you know whatever preacher does. He takes that and goes to town. I mean, he's got the note he's reading in the pulpit. And uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars come in. And they build that building and build others. Temple Church there in Philadelphia will seat 3,300 people. I've been there. I tell you, I, I went to Philadelphia with the primary reason of going to that church. I got in there on Sunday morning. It's, it's gigantic. It's got two different levels, two balcony levels, and then a downstairs level. There is a pipe organ that covers the entire front of the auditorium. There's a 10-foot grand piano sitting on the stage. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe I, I missed the time. I got on my phone and made sure, I, no, I was at the right time. I wonder where everybody is. When the service was going on, nobody played the pipe organ. Nobody played the grand piano. They had a little old Casio keyboard come out there and butchered up trying to play. And I counted 57 people in that 3,300-seat auditorium. 57. That was the church that this little girl, that money built. Now, in reality, they're, they're trying to, and my wife, when I got back to the hotel room, this was before I ever came here. My wife knows me like a book. When I see a challenge, I'm ready to go. And she said, we are not moving to Philadelphia. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I mean, I didn't even have to say. She just said it, period. I said, babe, the building's already there. All we need is the people. And uh, anyway, but you can go back there. That church is trying to revitalize now. You can go back to that same church, see that same thing because that 57 cents that little girl gave. But you can also go over in the north part of town and there's Temple University that's still active today, has 35,000 students enrolled every semester because of that little girl's 57 cents. You can also go down the road. See, Conwell not only built the church, he built the college, and then he also built a good Samaritan hospital there. And you'll still see it functioning mm. because of that little girl's 57 cents. Wow. Uh, our church is a five-talent church. Our church is a two-talent church. And our church is a one-talent church. We're all in this thing together. I went to a meeting this week, and, and, and the guy asked me the question, what are you all doing to reach millennials? I said, the same thing we're doing to reach lost pagans. We don't care if they're millennial or generation X or Y or Z. If you're lost, we want you here. We want to get you to Jesus. That's what we're doing. It's risky. Zig Ziglar says it's risky when a plane leaves a one runway, but that's what planes are for. It's more risky to sit there and gather rust. It's risky when a ship leaves the harbor, but that's what a ship's for. And it's risky when a church launches out and seeks to expand. And I want to just be honest with you. <clears throat> I've been around a long time. This is my 49th year in ministry, and I've never been at a church where we owed as much money as we owe here. Never been at a one that had his facilities that we've had here. This is launching out ground. We've never been this way before. When you go in that building next week, 
you're going to find a building that you're going to say, wow, we did not expect this. Just mark my word. It's all for the glory of God. It's all for the glory of God. I got to quit. I was reading this week where the Hallsville School is going to cost a little bit more money than they thought. <laughs> Imagine that. <clears throat> and I, I don't want to be derogatory, but you will not, if you look at the, the engineer's rendering of the new school that will be over here across the street, it's got 12 different roof lines. Now, anybody in their right sense knows that every time you change a roof line, you add big money to it. I can save them $10 million. You just put a regular old roof on that thing. Amen? But we're going to spend $38 million of your money and my money to build an elementary school that will handle 925 kids. And when you put all of these facilities together here, we've spent less than $4 million on everything. I believe God's a good God. We need to buy into it, get into the game, give what you can. This next Saturday is a fasting day. Sunday is an offering day. And then we're going to move that bus and you're, you're going to be wild. And it's all for the glory of the Lord. Can you imagine the young people, the children, the preschoolers that can be reached because of that tool right there. Even today, as we're sitting here, uh, Jason is with five of our young boys in New Orleans in a mission trip who gave up their entire spring break to go on a mission trip. It's all about people, folks. It's all about people. But I want to tell you, times have changed. People will tell me, well, we need to raise our kids like we were raised. No, this is not the same kind of world we were in. It's nowhere near. Listen, we need to reach families and young people before they ever get out of elementary school. It's too late once they get to junior high and high school. Father, it's been a solemn day. I know that. But Lord, I pray through this, you've spoken to people in this place that, Lord, we'd rise up and we'd say, Lord, I'm, I'm buying into this. This is your kingdom work. I, I want to support everything that God is doing on this campus, whether it be Celebrate Recovery, whether it be youth, whether it be children, preschool, senior adults, choir, music. It doesn't make any difference. I want to be a part of the kingdom of God, and I want to support. Lord, would you speak to our hearts this morning? I pray that as we begin to sing, Lord, that people who don't know Jesus as their Savior would come first and say, I want to be saved. Not going to do us any good to give our money. What should it gain if a man gained the whole world and lose his own soul? It's not worth anything. Speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. May those who need a church home come this morning. May those who need to pray come this morning. Let your people be disturbed and say, Lord, we want in. Have your way. Would you stand with me as Brother Aaron leads us? Come on right now. Christians I come broken to be mad.